Good afternoon. It's five o'clock in the UK. It's midday in Toronto, and apparently it feels like minus 10 Celsius, which for the Americans uh, listening in the audience or alive now, that's cold. Um, so, um, my guest today is Emery Sharoff, who I have known for, I was counting, over seven years, and is somebody who works around leading people at a highly strategic level, and I always find wisdom in uh, listening to his thoughts. Um, so with that, over to Emery to introduce yourself, and we'll be talking, as always, about what comes next. Uh, thanks, Tom. Thanks for the uh, the kind words. It's uh, it's funny. Uh, it is a it is a cold day today, but uh, we haven't had a very cold winter by our standards. So, uh, actually, uh, kind of happy to be uh, enjoying enjoying the snow today. Um, and thanks for the opportunity to uh, be on your podcast. I uh, I, I was sort of reflecting this morning uh, how how often do you get the opportunity to uh, I don't know, come on something like this and just share with people what you're thinking and where your ideas are at and what your feelings are at right now. Um, and, and, uh, and hopefully, hopefully found valuable, uh, by, by some folks. Um, in terms of me, my background, I'm, uh, I'm somebody who's been in the, the human resources game now for almost 30 years, um, at a, at a, at a Canadian level, uh, at a North American level and at a global level where I've had the opportunity to lead teams, uh, of HR professionals around the world and work on some really, really great uh, leadership teams. And, um, you know, I was reflecting about your question about what comes next. And, and I thought I'd, I'd start off by talking about what comes next by talking about what has been and sort of what, what's brought, oh, what's, what's, what's brought me to today and what's brought us to today. Uh, and kind of, uh, I'll, I'll start this story probably about a year back where I, uh, I, um, I don't know, I was, I was sort of reflecting on my career, reflecting on my life, what I'd accomplished. And what I was really feeling, I think, as I reflect back was that, uh, I don't know, I wasn't performing the way I wanted to perform. I wasn't, uh, having the impact I wanted to have and I wasn't making the difference that I wanted to, uh, uh, to make. And so, you know, following some conversations and thoughts and, and, and backs and forwards, um, I ended up deciding to take a sabbatical. Uh, so probably around, uh, yeah, around September 1st of, of, of this past year, uh, 2020, um, I decided to, uh, uh to launch into a, a six month sabbatical. And I'll tell you, I, I had some thoughts about that. I, I thought about it a few times because as you know, around September, we were, uh, you know, we're thick in the, in the middle of COVID. And, uh, was that a wise move and was it a strategic move and did it make sense? Um, and certainly looking back now, um, it certainly was. Uh, the first, the first, uh, six weeks, um, I did nothing. Uh, I really honestly did nothing. And, and for those that have ever had the opportunity to sort of wind down from, um, you know, a whole lot of years of working, uh, it, it honestly took that long. Uh, it took me till Canadian Thanksgiving, which is about the middle of October, uh, to really feel that I had, uh, I'd relaxed and cleared my mind and, and could sort of start to rethink. And that took me, uh, then another, about another six weeks of, of really reading and thinking and reflecting and just having the time again to really, um, uh, I don't know, just to really regain my perspective. And then where I ended up was that, uh, uh, come, uh, come the end of November, early December, I decided to actually take some time and write my thoughts down. And I've spoken to so many people about journaling and just, I don't know, what are you thinking about and put them down on paper? And, and I did that. And, and I, you know, as, as I talk about or I come to talk about what comes next, I'd, I'd like to talk about some of those things. But before I do, 
one of the things I really want to acknowledge is how privileged and lucky I was to be able to do this. Um, I realized that, that there are so many people um, that don't have this opportunity. In my brain, what I kind of did was I took this elusive retirement that's going to happen at some point, I don't know when, um, and I took six months of it and brought it forward. So that's kind of how I, I justified it uh, uh, in my mind. Um, and, but again, though, I really do appreciate how lucky I've been uh, to be able to do this. Um, and I'll tell you, it's made a huge difference in terms of me regaining energy and, and, and feeling enthused again. And, and I also want to, I also want to say that I'm not a scholar. Um, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a really big deep thinker. Um, I don't know that I even have any new ideas. What I think I have right now is just some clarity. Um, and I think that, um, I'm in a position where I have a lot of hope that if we all try, um, we can do something differently and, and kind of make lemons out of lemon, uh, lemonade out of lemons, uh, from the pandemic and maybe, maybe do some things differently. So as, as I think about the reflections I had, um, you know, I, I thought that there have been two principles that have always guided my life. Um, the first one is respect. I really fundamentally believe that if you respect all people, ideas, thoughts, things, um, then that will make the world a great, a better place. And so respect is key. And the other one that has always been important to me um, and my family is to put the collective ahead of the individual. And that if you really um, think about the greater good and you put energy and effort into paying it forward, um, it can have a huge impact um, in the world today. And, and as I reflected on these two thoughts and did a lot of reading, um, I really, my reading brought me to um, uh, David Brooks' book, The Second Mountain, um, a book I, I quite enjoyed. Now, like any business book you read, I think you've got to take your nuggets out of it. I think there's, there's stuff that, that resonates for some folks, not for others, etc. But in that book, what I really took around away from his, his thinking was this concept that over the last 50 years, um, we've moved to a state of, of hyper-individualism, uh, certainly in North America and the Western world. And, 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 you know, and, and Brooks talks about how there's always been a tension between I and we, um, but now we're leaning more towards um, I than we ever have before. And in many ways, we've, we've lost our connection to community. Um, and then of course, not everybody. Um, you know, there, there are a whole lot of folks that are actively involved in their communities and, and, and actively involved in, in making a difference. But so many folks have lost that sense of community. Um, and then just yesterday, actually, uh, I was, uh, I was listening to, uh, uh, Brene Brown's podcast with, uh, Simon Sinek. I think it's a relatively new one. And, and, and of course, aside from the What Comes Next podcast, uh, Tom, it was probably one of my favorite, uh, <laughs> podcasts I've ever heard. And, and in this one, uh, Sinek talks about his book, uh, you know, Developing an Infinite Mindset. And if you've had a chance to read that too, it just beautifully aligns with this exact same thinking. Mm-hmm. And so, so where my brain was going or where my thinking or my reflection was that, um, I think as leaders, we need to take the opportunity to focus on community. Um, and, and, and we can define community. Community can be inside, uh, where we work. It can be the teams we lead. Uh, it can be outside our business. But I, I really think we have to focus back on community and the people that are part of that community. And then, and then also going back to the civic piece, uh, uh, is, is, you know, developing that infinite mindset. Um, thinking bigger than just the finite, thinking more than just, I don't know, the quarter or the metric or the report. And, 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 and if you listen to Cynic, he says those things are all important and they certainly are. Um, but I think we have to think bigger than that. Um, and I really think that it sounds easy in so many ways, but business today 
doesn't have the norms and cultures for this. It's those are not the things that people are rewarded for. Um, and I think we really need to, to do things differently. Uh, I read a really great report uh, in the fall as well uh, uh, from the uh, the Canadian Center for the Purpose of the Corporation, uh, which I really, really liked. And, and I'd actually like to, to share it if, if I can. I'm going to read it. Um, basically, it said that the overwhelming majority, 81% of Canadians, recognize that businesses and corporations play, to, play a vital role in the economy by creating jobs, fostering innovation, and providing essential goods and services. With that said, the majority of Canadians, 55%, believe capitalism should be reformed so that it's more inclusive, fairer, and more sustainable. Less than half, 48%, indicated that uh, business is a force for good within society. So I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty bold statement uh, that, that certainly has come out from this research in Canada. And, and I think it, it's a time for us to stop and, and reflect. I mean, we're, we're at some point going to be post-pandemic or whatever the new normal is. And everything I read says that we've got to do things differently and there'll be a new norm. And I think in business, that's not just working from home. Um, I think it's more than that. It's community. And I think as leaders, um, there are a bunch of things we can do. I think one we can do is, is rethink who our stakeholders are, um, who matters to us, who are we trying to, uh, I don't know, who are we trying to uh, achieve things for? Um, I think we can redefine winning. Um, I think that uh, uh, our definition of winning is, is too finite, and I think that we need to think bigger than that. I think we need to truly think about what inclusion means. Um, a lot of organizations talk a good inclusion and diversity game, but I really think that the concept of inclusion and, and making inclusion needs to happen. I think we need to think community um, and, and think big picture. So, again, I, I am, as I said earlier, I'm not uh, – I'm not a scholar. I'm not a writer. I'm nothing that. I'm just, an, I'm just an individual that's, I don't know, that's sort of been playing this HR game for a whole lot of years and finally had a chance to stop and reflect and think. And so that's what I put down in paper and that's what I stopped and, and wrote down. So no, that's kind of where my brain is at right now. And, 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 and what comes next for me is what can I do about that? How can I actually make a difference in that regard? What can, what can I do within the scope of, 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 of those that I impact and influence on a day-to-day basis. So I know that's sort of where my brain's at right now. Brilliant. Fantastic. Um, and, you know, you, you said you'd put your thoughts down on paper. And when we spoke a few weeks ago, you, you know, you shared some of that with me and that's fantastic. Um, I'd, you, you've said that a couple of times, you're not a scholar, a big thinker, not new ideas, more about clarity. But um, that's not really been my experience of, of talking to and working with you. You do have some great ideas. Um, I, I used to work a lot in marketing many years ago, and I always had this thought that there's no such thing as an original idea. <laughs> so, and so I'm, you know, when I have an idea, I first of all go and research it and see who else has done the academic research on it, because I'm not an academic either. Uh, but just to muse for a bit on that change, uh, a couple of my own thoughts, then I, what I, the, there is something you are, which many of the people who write about this are not, which is that you have 30 years career in business with some large and well-respected organizations um, and in, in the corporate business world. Um, the <clears throat> about I was just listening to one of my favorite podcasts today, which is David McWilliams, The Irish Economist. And I'm an amateur economist. I'm enthusiastic. And he was welcoming on a guest there and said that, you know, the beginning of her journey in promoting her think, thinking in her book about three and a half years ago, she was speaking on a panel in a 16th century pub back room 
in Kilkenny Island. Um, and I remembered I was in the room <laughs> with like 50 other people. So the audience was fine, apart from this dodgy Scottish Caymanian that was in there. And the lady's name is Kate Rayworth, and she's an academic, and she's written a book called Donut Economics. Kind of a placeholder name, but it really talks about how, if you think of a donut, um, it thinks about the measurements you can have around the donut, and it's just a different way of measuring success. Whereas we focus on GDP growth, we focus on, you know, this uh, extractive industries, as the stock exchange is now going to start calling mining and oil and gas and other industries. And people are going to stop investing in extractive industries. Um, the the thing is, there is so there are so many people actually talking around the sort of ideas that you have, you know, brought additional clarity and energy enthusiasm to over your. Um, I love your idea of bringing a few months of your retirement forward. Um, it's a great idea when when you can when one can have the privilege um, to do so. But I think what's, in, what's particularly interesting that I'd like to hear your views on is you're not an academic. You're not running a small social enterprise. Right? You've been working with organizations that are listed companies or massive partnerships um, that span, span the globe, basically, in a very, very senior um, people role, HR role. Um, so I would, I'm intrigued to get your thoughts on what could come next in terms of not at a granular level, but strategically, what can we look at doing differently around looking at winning differently, who our stakeholders are, you know, how we do inclusion differently and, and about community and respect. So. Well, I think, I think as I said earlier, Tom, the biggest challenge is, um, I don't know, the, the norms um, and the values and, and the cultures that we have in place um, within organizations. And don't get me wrong, there are a lot of phenomenally wonderful organizations out there that do really great things and do believe, um, uh, greatly, uh, in, 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 yeah, just in, in doing good stuff. But I think when it, when it comes down to it, um, not enough of them, uh, uh, focus on their why. Um, and again, I'm going back to Cynic again, as you can imagine, or you can, you can gain. I've got a few, a few favorites that I, I like to go back to. And, and, you know, and he, as he says, you know, thinking through what your why is and what's your purpose and why do you exist? You know, and I'm not talking about a mission statement or a vision statement. I'm, why do you truly exist? And I would argue that in many, many cases, in the majority of cases, um, and probably, um, while there are folks that aren't this way, they're very much in a minority, you know, most organizations exist to, to turn a profit, to, Meet the needs of their shareholders to, uh, uh, to, to create, uh, wealth, uh, financial wealth for others. And, and again, that is important stuff. We need to do that. Um, you know, uh, as, as my wife has said many, many times, um, you know, capitalism is, is the best way we figured to create wealth. Um, what we haven't figured out is how to then distribute it and get it to other folks. And, and so, I, you know, we need to do that. But, but is there, you know, is there not also an opportunity to revisit um, our cultures within our organizations and align with that, um, you know, make it uh, 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 equally important uh, to meet the needs of all of our stakeholders, um, including the people um, that are part of our organizations. Obviously, having been in human resources all my life, that, that's, that's key to me. Um, you know, uh, making sure that the environment uh, 
is a is a is a fundamentally uh, key stakeholder in the things we do. Mm-hmm. And and I don't just mean uh, um, you know checking a box to say that we have a good uh, environmental strategy, um, but actually you know making a difference in that regard and making it important. Uh, and then and then and then uh, uh, the communities in which we we participate, and those are inside and outside our organization. But in order to do that, you need to, to change again back to that culture. And I think to do that, you need to look at, um, you know, how are leaders measured? What are the true, uh, measurements on a leader's scorecard for which they are rewarded? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and how does that translate through to their, to their accomplishments? Um, I think you got to look at, um, at boards. Um, I know some really, there are a lot of really wonderful people that sit on boards. But primarily their focus has been to, you know, as, as, as set up over the past, you know, hundred so years to protect the interests of shareholders and to monitor the interests of shareholders. Um, but maybe we need to get some, some diverse thinking in that regard around, around broader communities and such. Um, and I think if you do all of these things and change the cultures within, um, I think that, um, uh, we can have a huge, a huge impact. I, I do think there are people and organizations doing that. Um, I think a lot of them tend to be maybe sole proprietors or individual companies or, 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 or individuals that are not beholden to, uh, to shareholders or other stakeholders that are, that are able to do that because that's what they fundamentally believe. But, but unfortunately, um, you know, there are so many, there are only so many, uh, uh, of those folks in the world that are, are large enough to be able to have a huge, to move the dial massively. Whereas if we can move that dial within large corporations, that's how we can, how we can make sustainable change within the organization. So I don't know. I, 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 I don't have all the answers, but I, but I know I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of questions. <laughs> so uh, maybe when you and I were talking offline a few weeks ago, um, but you know, one of my things about scaling is, or scaling impact is if you can move the needle on a large corporation 1%, you probably make a lot bigger difference than if you move the needle 100% on a t- on a tiny enterprise. Right. So we all have to find our place to play in the world, and you know, potentially somebody with your background and, and CV or resume has the ability to do that um, more than somebody who's never had that commercial experience. Because profit is important um, to scale your why, um, and if your why is to enrich shareholders. Uh, if your why is to make short-term profits, that's, you know, that's perhaps your why. If your why starts to shift and move that needle towards um, perhaps, you know, your, I like what your wife says, phrase is that capitalism is the best way we've found to create wealth, but we need to find a way to distribute it. And then what suddenly occurred to me was, what if we redefine wealth? Mm-hmm. Right. So like, like redefining winning. Right. Redefining winning. So GDP growth. What about a zero GDP world, zero GDP growth world? What, what might that look like? Um, you know, you know, lockdown has seen wildlife come back to cities, right? When there was full lockdown and it's, you know, we've seen less NO2 polluting the air. And if you were to walk down downtown Toronto when things were locked down at times last year or downtown London, right? You could smell the air differently. Right. And, you know, and we saw the memes around nature is healing. <laughs> it's like, yep. And but there's, there's some truth to that. So um, these are really I mean, what we're talking about is some very, very big picture things. However, uh, for those who have the ability to have any level of influence to institutional shareholders, 
who weigh upon boards a lot because they're the people who, who are represented. And, you know, and therefore to the mindset of chief executives and board members of listed companies, then, then that can have a really disproportionate impact because rather than them simply being there to, as pure capitalists to create wealth, if we redefine wealth in a more holistic fashion, then it's not such a struggle to redistribute and have that argument as to is it the role of government to tax and redistribute wealth or, you know, what if the output of the company actually creates ecological and, and people mm. well-being wealth? Um, and so it's, it, it does, it can sound really Pollyanna-ish in, in a way, but there are live examples of, of, of people thinking this way and, and doing this in the corporate world because ultimately, you know, as I know you've discovered in far more, far more experience than me, but I've led people in organizations as well and work with leaders all the time. It's a lot easier to get things done if your people are aligned and working in an environment and a culture that they, they're all aligned around. You just simply guide them, right? There is, there's the phrase from uh, the author of The Little Prince, which is, you know, if you want to build a, a ship to cross the mighty oceans, I'm paraphrasing, um, you, you don't need to teach them how to build the ship. You simply need to teach them to yearn for the endless sea. Now, very poetic, but ultimately, if you put a strong enough, you know, as Mr. Sinek says in his seminal talk, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Right. And I think this really, I think the piece around, if we zero in on, on corporate culture, it's, it's a lot easier, you know, you're, we talk about productivity numbers and how much do people bill and how many hours do they book and all this kind of stuff. But they're going to do that a lot more easily if they, if they align with the company's why and there's a good working environment. And as you say, many companies uh, are actually really, really good at this. And so the piece that needs to be shifted a little bit is the short-term metrics and the, right. and the profit, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the I was just talking to a, a leading, um, person in the investment community the other day who's getting really tired of the fact that people constantly want presentations on their United Nations SDG goals or your environmental goals, right? But they still want to get the same return on shareholding, the same return on their investment. And what if, what if those investors were happier, could actually be happy making a 4% return over inflation every year? Right. What kind of world would that look like rather than private enterprise, you know, private equity and venture capital wanting 20, 25%? And even, even in sustainable corporates or relatively sustainable steady corporates, they want 10 to 15% every year. And, you know, and, and, and your thoughts particularly, uh, exactly. And these kind of, you know, like you said, it might seem Pollyanna, but, but, it, but these kind of things aren't a, aren't a, aren't a pipe dream. They're not, uh, they're not unattainable. Let's look back to, you know, March or February, March of, of, of last year, a year ago. So many organizations globally didn't believe that their people could effectively work from home. They didn't believe that they had the technology or the I'll jump in. They didn't it. trust them to do it. Well, and, and that's where I'm going. They, 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 but, but I also think they just didn't believe that they had the, the technology yeah. in some cases, yeah. but they had to do it. Right. And it kind of happened and it was forced. And to your exact point, one of the outcomes was just having to extend trust. Right. And, and back to your point about leadership and leading people, that's really what leadership's all about. It's just about trust. Um, it's about, it's about trusting people to do what, um, uh, 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 they say they're going to do. 
Uh, it's about, you know, trusting your leaders that, that they're going to support you and be there for you. Um, and, and that's not easy. Uh, it doesn't mean that you just sort of let people go. Uh, you have, it revolves around conversations and connecting with people and talking to folks, um, and, and really being involved with them. So it does take a lot of work. But the point is, is that these things are doable. Uh, we've seen in the last year the things we thought we could never accomplish, we have accomplished. So, um, I, I just, I think that if we put our mind to it and, and we, 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 we take the time and think, and again, I, I want to go back to sort of what I started this conversation mm-hmm. was, was for me, none of these things are new. None of the ideas are new, but what I actually had the opportunity was to stop and just reflect and think about it. So if I was to say anything to any leader right out there, um, that is lucky enough and privileged enough to have that time or figure out a way to have that time to stop and think and reflect. And think about really what really matters and what you as an individual can do about it, because we can talk all we want, but if we don't act, um, things won't change. So um, that, now it's now for me, that's what's next is I got to figure out how to act and, and, yeah. and do some things differently. So you, that's fantastic. And as we have a few minutes uh, to go, I'm, you've had the opportunity to stop, think and reflect. You've gained some clarity. You've captured some thoughts. Uh, and quite powerful ones. Um, for people listening to the podcast um, in the coming months, uh, if there's leaders listening to this, do you have clarity on any particular nuggets or actions they can take? That you know, what would you zero in on? Gosh, I think that the hard part about that, Tom, is that everybody's so individual, right? Yeah. Um, but I would say, you know, as, as I've already said, um, really try to take this time to stop and reflect and understand what's important, mm-hmm. um, to you. And, and don't see that through the lens of, 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 of other culture, like other organizational cultures or perspectives. See what really truly, uh, matters to you. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then once you've done that, um, Take the time to write it down. That, that to me was a big difference, right? Like I, all, all these years, I've never taken the time to actually write it down. And I wrote it in the, in the concept of a white paper. And, yeah. and that was no intent to do anything with that other than it forced me to think. So I think, I think write that down. And then, and then what I would say is, and this does come from experience and knowledge and confidence is, um, stay true to what you write down. Um, as I as I think about what comes next for me, that's been the uh, the part that I've had to go back to a couple times is um, hmm. if I really, really feel these things and I really, really believe them, stay true to them mm-hmm. and and align what I do with them, because it is so easy um, in this in this uh, in this world right now to focus on short term, to focus on. What will get me to the next quarter? What'll get me through to the next week? What'll get me till the end of today? Um, and, and so really staying true to write what you write down is key. Hmm. None of this is easy. None of it's simple. Um, but I really do think if you do that, um, you'll be, uh, you'll be the, the true person that you are. You'll be able to be your whole self every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that'll garner, garner trust big time. Wow. I will choose to say what comes to mind from this is that 
what strikes me for a leader is to um, the, the essence of Socratic wisdom boils down to two words, know thyself. So the, the, sometimes the brave thing when we've been really, really busy for decades on end is to stop, think and reflect about who we are and what we need and what's our personal why, what's our personal purpose. And all too often um, when people are really busy and have loads of responsibilities with senior roles that they don't stop to do that. But the value of that for the, the people they lead is that they can show up as an aligned whole person. Um, so that's what you're saying. It's very, a very powerful and, and resonant thing. I look at it, glance at your white paper on my screen as well. And this becomes the bit where I recognize and acknowledge you for the fact that you are a doer, right? Uh, you, you get things done. Um, because it's not enough to just reflect and get clear for oneself because beyond a certain level, that's wonderful. And it, it, and it's not really having an impact, making a difference, words you used earlier. So I love the quote you finished off your white paper with, the Goethe quote, which is, knowing is not enough, we must apply. Willing is not enough, we must do. Um, so, yes, I am excited as we, uh, you and I always talk uh, every few months over time, and I'm excited to, to find out what you decide to do next, um, because you've got that in front of you. Um, and as, uh, as is my, my way of, of doing things now, I'll leave you with the final words, whatever, whatever comes to mind. Well, I think, I think, uh, I think first of all, thank you for sharing that quote. Um, I was going to, um, but I always could never pronounce his name correctly. So I was too, me, uh, me either. That, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's what it is. I think, uh, you know, know who you are, uh, reflect on who you are, know who you are write it down um, and act upon it. And I think if we all do that and if we think uh, infinitely big picture, um, I think we can, uh, we can make a difference in this world. So let's give it a shot. How's the time? Fantastic. Well, it's been a real privilege to hear your thoughts and thank you so much for coming on and uh, enjoy what uh, other, another Canadian uh, friend of mine actually called recently is he encourages all of his thousands of people uh, to make sure you get your sunshine hours every day in the winter. That's right. Yeah, um, I will. So, so I'd never heard that phrase, but in Canada, I guess it's particularly resonant with the short days. So okay, enjoy your right. sunshine hours. Okay. Thank you very yeah. much, Tom. Have a great day. Yes.